0: All right, so on Friday night, uh, Vince, he gave me a call, and he or he didn't give me a call, he gave me a text, and he said, hey, Anthony, I'm feeling a little bit sick. Um, you might want to look over the text because you might need to preach. I'm not feeling great. Thirsty. And uh, I said... Uh, I said to myself, like, okay, uh, Vince, I've seen him up here with, like, both legs broken. I've seen him up here, like, right after his wife just gave birth to one of their babies. I was like, there, I don't think a, a little sickness is going to hold him back. And so I kind of glanced at the text, but I'll be like, ah, it'll be fine. And then Saturday morning, he texted me, he said, hey, man, I have strep th- throat and the flu, um, so you just have to, you have to preach tomorrow. Um, to which I said, cool, man, thanks. Uh, so I say all that because I just want you guys to know I've only had a day to prepare. I had a mentor years ago who told me, hey, you never want to make an excuse for yourself at the, on the front end of a sermon or say something like that. But I see it as a win-win. Um, and here's why, because if the sermon is really bad, you are be like, oh, well, you had a day to prepare, right? If it's even kind of good, you'll be like, oh, it was pretty good for a day. <laughs> so that's my hope. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not my hope. My hope is that we really do um, get to, to meet God together. Uh, does anyone need a Bible? Raise your hand high if you need a Bible. And there's a 50 to 30% chance an intern will come around and hand you a Bible. And so uh, the reason we like to hand out uh, Bibles is because... We actually want God's word in your hand. We want you to see that this is God's word, that this is the Bible, this isn't my translation. And then secondly, we like to give Bibles away. Like if you don't own a Bible, we'd love to let you just keep this Bible and encourage you to read it. We really do think that you can encounter God through the Bible. And so I I particularly like to challenge people to go through the book of John or Matthew and just look at Jesus and how he speaks and how he talks and how he moves in life, okay? And so if you're newer to the faith, or, or you're, you're not sure if you're a Christian, those are a great place to start in the Bible. So we're in the book of Ephesians, though. We love to just go through books of the Bible together here. And so we just spent three weeks in a mini-series within Ephesians on racial reconciliation. And you guys did a great job, honestly. Like I, I, I was a little bit nervous to talk about it. I talked about that a little bit last week. But I loved how you guys responded to God's word. Like, there was no one just outright rejecting God's word. There were some disagreements on some of the nuances and things we talked about, but that was okay. The way that you approached Vince and I and talked through these things, I really felt encouraged by you guys. I really felt like, man, we have a a healthy church. Maybe we don't, but I felt like you guys really responded in in a lot of healthy ways. Maybe you're um, talking smack behind doors, but um, that's okay, you know? I don't... (laughs) That's a different thing to be dealt with. And so So we're in the book of Ephesians, and and basically these first three chapters of Ephesians so far have been just this big, beautiful picture of the gospel where we see that the good news of Jesus is that we are reconciled uh, to God. So there's this vertical reconciliation that we have to God, but we see that the gospel doesn't stop there. It causes the Christian to live out a horizontal reconciliation where man and man, people all together, I mean man. Like mankind are reconciled to one another, they are put into better relationships. Okay, and so as we were preaching on racial reconciliation the last few weeks, Vince uh, has been getting in conversations with people, and different people in different places have been saying things like, Hey, does this when you have to preach through these hard texts or, or, or more difficult passages, are those the moments for you that where you just kind of want to maybe quit your job or not be a pastor or don't really like your job? And Vince, he would answer it kind of by saying like, yeah, you know, I not really. I, I'm thankful that I get to preach through God's word together. I'm thankful that, that we get to talk through these things. It can be hard, so I don't like uh, some of the difficult conversations. But on the whole, I mostly get joy out of Preaching the gospel. And then, I think to help people think through something, Vince would say, how about you? When you have to preach through these hard passages in your workplace, do you feel like quitting your job? And and the reason Vince was asking people that was because he was trying to make the distinction that me and Vince are not the only gospel preachers in Flagstaff. That in fact, that everybody in this room, if they have faith in Jesus, if they would consider themselves a Christian, they are to be faithful gospel preachers here in Flagstaff so that we all collectively are preaching God's word to this city. Not only living out God's word in this city, but to be preaching God's word to this city. And today's text is going to encourage us To that end, we're going to see that for Paul, he was excited to preach God's word. And I want us as a church to have that same sort of feeling or thought or posture when it comes to preaching God's word. So this is what we're going to do today. We're going to take a we're going to take a quick thirty thousand foot view of the text. We're just going to look at it, look at what it's saying, kind of define all the verses um, a little bit more broadly, because I think that's going to help us for the rest of the day. And then I don't know. Do you guys hear that stuff in my mic? Okay, cool, um, awesome. Um, but <laughs> I think sometimes when I undo this, it helps. Um, so. We're going to take a quick 30,000 foot view of the text, and then we're going to take three closer looks at the text, and we're going to see uh, what is the text saying uh, in a little bit more nuanced way, okay? So let's hop into it. We're going to just hop it right into the 30,000 foot view of this text, and then into the three closer views. Um, it's going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, verse 7, and we're going to read through part of the way through verse 10 even. So Paul says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light to everyone, light for everyone, what is the the plan of the ministry hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. And we'll stop there. So Paul, he says, of the gospel, I've been made a minister. I'm a minister of the gospel. He sees this as as a gift of God. He sees this as as a gift of God's grace. He sees it as a privilege. Don't let that word freak you out after the last few weeks. But he sees it as a privilege that he gets to preach the gospel. And he knows that God has called him to preach to Gentiles, but he's also to bring the light of God to everyone, not just the Gentiles. And the very reason that he's preaching is so that the church would go out and they would preach about the wisdom of God, which is the gospel, these things that are being made known to the church. And so that quick 30,000 foot view of the text is going to help us today to understand uh, the closer looks we have at the text. So We're going to take three closer looks at the text, all right? Three closer looks. And the three closer looks are going to be involved in these three areas. The first area is gospel ministry. The second closer look we're going to take is the privilege of preaching Christ, The third closer look that we're going to take is the task of preaching Christ. So first, let's look at gospel ministry. So verse 7, it starts off and it says, Of this gospel, I was made a minister. Which gospel? Which gospel, Paul? Well, if you look at the text closely, he's talking about everything that he just talked about in Ephesians. He said, of this gospel, of this gospel that brings all of these things that I've talked about so far, I've been made a minister. And so I want to stop here, and I want us to understand the gospel well. Because I think too often we've boiled down the gospel to just a few points, and although that's the gospel and we adhere to that and we believe that, the gospel has so many more beautiful depths than we give it credit for at times. And Ephesians, so far, has spoke to the depths of the gospel. And so if Paul was a gospel minister, I want us to know what he was a minister of exactly. So Jesus, in his sinless life, in his death for our sins and his resurrection, we were given all of these things in him. And so the gospel says all of these things in Ephesians. The gospel says that God chose us in Christ to make us holy, that God predestined and adopted us, that he made us his kids, we are his sons and daughters, we're in God's family now, that he saved us by grace, and you're going to see this term grace over and over and over again in Ephesians, this idea that God, just because he has his own unmerited favor toward you, he saves you not because you earned something, not because you thought something right, not because God just saves you because he wants to save you. So he saves us by grace that, we've, that he has redeemed us through his blood, that God has rescued us, that he has freed us from spiritual slavery to sin, that he's forgiven us of our sins, that he lavishes grace on us, that he pours grace on us, he simply—he doesn't just simply save us by grace, but he pours and drenches his grace on us. That he makes known to us his will, which is essentially the gospel. That through Jesus, God wants to unite all things. That he's given us an inheritance and he's sealed us with the Holy Spirit as we wait for the, the full inheritance to come. And then we saw that that Paul prayed that we would know God more deeply, that the gospel makes it possible for us to know God more deeply, that we can know his power, that we can know that God sees us as an inheritance. And again, he did all this through Christ, Paul reminds us, that all rulers and dominions and authorities, they're under Jesus' feet now because of what he did for us. The gospel helps us to see that we were dead in our sin And that because of Jesus, we've been saved again by grace and mercy, and God has brought us to life so that we no longer have to be dead in sin, that we're even raised up with Christ, that somehow some beautiful thing happens right now where Christ has been resurrected and we're not quite resurrected yet, but we on some spiritual level have been raised up alongside Christ. And again, Paul loves to emphasize this was none of our own doing. And not only that, we've become God's workmanship, God's poema, God's poem, as we saw. And because of that, we're not a people that just simply adhere to the gospel, we're a people that, with our very lives, live out the gospel. And we specifically see this in the context of the first century church where the gospel was uniting Jew and Gentile and causing them to be one body, causing them to be one family, and causing them to become the temple of God together. The temple of God was where the people of God would really interact with God, where they would meet with God. And so God says, through the gospel, I'm taking people of all sorts of backgrounds and places, and I'm making the church, the body of the believers, the place where the world meets God. That's the gospel that Paul's a minister of. Of that gospel, Paul's a minister. So, what does it mean to be a minister? We've taken this word and we've, we've kind of hijacked it and we've made it like this vocational thing. Like if someone works for a church, they're a minister. Um, and, and that's not quite what it once meant. That word there for minister really means a king's servant. It means someone that would serve the king. So Paul would serve the king, Jesus, by, by bringing the gospel to the world. Now, we've had a 30,000-foot view of the text, so we know that Paul is not only the, the only minister of the gospel, but the church is also the minister of the gospel. So any of us that believe in Christ, we are ministers of the gospel as well. If you don't believe me, there's other passages that help us think that too. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about how we as Christians have been given the ministry of reconciliation, that now you and I, we're called to bring reconciliation to the world, reconciliation to God, and reconciliation to each other. That's what the gospel does, it reconciles. And so we can look at this text and we can see that Paul says, I, a gospel minister, but we could say, we have been given gospel ministry as well. And that is key for us moving forward. We need to know that our very identity as Christians is that we're gospel ministers. It's not just Paul. It's not just for the super Christians, which I say sarcastically because there's no such thing. It's for all of us. We are all gospel ministers. So that's the first zoomed-in look I want us to take and see is that we're all gospel ministers. The next zoomed-in look I want to take is to see is... That Paul saw preaching Christ as a privilege. He felt that he had the privilege of preaching Christ. And that's where we'll see our next close up view. So verses, we'll start back in verse 7 and we'll go part of the way through verse 9. He said, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which He was given, which was given me by the working of His power to me. Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach. Look at all the things that Paul holds in accordance with being made a minister of the gospel. Right? He doesn't say, God has given me this chore. God has given me this burden. He says, God has given me this gift by his power. And Paul sees it as humbling because of his former status as a persecutor of the church. You can see it here. Paul saw preaching Jesus. Paul saw preaching the gospel as a privilege. He was excited that he had this new privilege. My dad, he used to always speak to us about these new privileges that we would get. And I remember when I got the privilege of being able to drive on my own, how overjoyed I was for that. We should have that in preaching Christ. There's a pastor I know, his name's Josh Prather, he's at Redemption Arcadia, and he's the pastor of all of Redemption's community and global initiatives to help us seek the least, the last, and the lost. And so often, he finds himself in, in conversations with other pastors, and um, they're pastors often from other countries or, or pastors that have immigrated from other countries. And so what he loves to ask these pastors is, hey, what's the biggest difference you see between the American church and, and your church? And, and I believe this one Ethiopian pastor that he was speaking to at one point, he asked this question. The Ethiopian pastor said, oh, that's easy. Uh, the American church, they're terrified to share the gospel, They don't want to share Jesus. They don't want to talk to non-Christians about Jesus. They just don't want to do it. In other parts of the world, that's just not the case, says this pastor. And may that not be so for our church. May we see that we have the privilege of preaching Christ. People in other countries, for whatever reason, they're so connected to Christ that they see it as a privilege, that there are more dangerous situations than we are, and yet we have a hard time and we feel scared to preach about the gospel. And I think it's because often we've treated preaching the gospel as just like this chore. It's just like another thing on the checklist to do. Or we've treated it kind of this other way where we say, hey, only the evangelists. I'm not a gifted evangelist. The Bible talks about evangelists. I'm not an evangelist. I'll leave that work to them. But if we're gospel ministers, we are all called to evangelize. We're all called to preach Christ to the world. And so we need to. We need to not see it as a chore, and we need to not just lean only on the ones that are gifted that way. There's a couple in our church that I think shows this dichotomy well, and it's, uh, it's Johnny and, and Danae. Um, Johnny's our worship director. Danae's his wife. I've been in RC with them for a couple or so years now, and uh, I love them because they show that they're both gospel ministers, yet one of them, I think, is actually a gifted evangelist, and one of them is not. Sorry, Johnny. Uh, So Danae, she's this gifted evangelist. Like She has the gift of evangelism. If you know Danae at all, she invites people to church all the time. It's nothing for her. People actually say yes to her when she invites them to church. She brings them to church. They talk about Jesus. She's praying for people. She's led people to Christ. And she is just this gifted evangelist in our church who I'm very thankful for. Now, Johnny, he, uh, we get to see his giftings up here on stage, but I, I wouldn't say that. He just has this natural gifting of an evangelist, but he doesn't see evangelism as a chore either. He sees it as a privilege because every time I talk to Johnny, and I say, hey, man, what do you need prayer for? Very often, Johnny says to me, man, what I could use prayer for is I've been talking to this coworker about Jesus, and I just want them to get it. I just want them to know Jesus. I just want them to understand Jesus. And then I love Johnny too because he often says, man, I feel like I'm getting in the way of this person understanding Jesus. Let me not get in the way of them understanding Jesus. Now, neither of them see evangelism as a chore. Now, Danae, sure, she's operating out of her giftings. And, D- and Johnny is, is operating out of something else that's not just his giftings, but I think they're both operating out of something in particular, is that they see preaching Christ as a privilege. And so for the rest of this sermon, I'm going to be encouraging us to preach Christ. I'm, incur- I'm going to be encouraging our church to preach Christ. But if I'm going to do that, we have to be fueled by the right things. I don't want to just guilt trip you. I don't want to just read every verse in the Bible that convinces us to do that. I want to be fueled the way that Paul was fueled here. Paul thought it was a privilege. He thought it was a gift that he got to talk about Jesus. I want that to be true for us and our church. And so I want to hone in on a couple of the things that Paul points out. Three things that Paul points out of why he felt it was a privilege for him to preach Christ. The first thing, three things really that we need to understand about God and our relationship with him in order to preach Christ well. The first thing is this. We need to understand God's grace. Right right off the bat, Paul says, I've been made a gospel minister according to the gift of God's grace. That God... Grace is God has done everything to save you. God has shown you unmerited favor, is like the theological way to say it. But God has done everything to save you. Jesus did everything you need to be saved. You couldn't live perfectly, Jesus did. You don't want to die the death for your sins, Jesus did. You can't raise yourself from the dead, Jesus raised himself from the dead. God has done everything. You need to be saved. And he offers that just as a gift. It's just grace. It's just this gracious gift that God has given us. And I just wonder, does grace really matter that much to us? Do we really understand that God has lavished grace on us? Because I think if we did, we'd begin to go, hey, I have the privilege of preaching Christ because of this grace that has been lavished on me. I think of Jesus and how Jesus said uh, to approach him like a child, right? He said, have faith like a child. He said, this is what our relationship with God should be like. And I think about this gift of grace that God has given us, and I think about kids and how well they receive gifts. And I just wonder if us adults, we don't receive gifts as well, and so we don't really receive the gift of God's grace as well into our lives, even though it's there. And I wonder if we became more like kids receiving gifts, if we'd receive his grace better. And we'd understand his grace better. There's this YouTube video uh, where this mom, just a messed up mom, she wraps up a gift for her like three-year-old son. He's just an adorable kid. And he opens the gift. And in the inside the gift is an avocado. <laughs> and, you know, if it's my kid, my kid's about to lose it. But this kid, sweet, adorable kid, he goes, Oh, an avocado, right? Thank you. And he's so excited to get an avocado, right? Or Maybe he was an Instagrammer. I don't know, but he was really excited to get this avocado. And I even think of my daughter. If I just give her like a sticker sometimes, she's like, Dad, you are the best dad I've ever met, right? I'm like, that's correct. Um... <laughs> And I just wonder if we saw God's grace like a gift and we, we approach God like a child, if God's grace would fuel us and understanding that we have the privilege of preaching Christ. We have the gift of preaching Christ. Not the burden, not the chore, the gift. I think that's what should fuel us. The second thing I think that fueled Paul and I think should fuel us And that we should understand is that God has shown us his power. Paul says this when he says, which was given me by the working of his power. Listen, Paul thought God was real. He thought God was working in his life. Listen, I think God is real. I think God is working in your life. I think if you're a Christian or not a Christian, I think God is working in your life to draw you to himself, and that is a picture of God's power. God, the one who has all power, who created all things, he demonstrates some of that power towards us when he saves us. I think we just have to be better about seeing God's power. Or maybe we just need to beg God to show us his power. Because then I think it would be more beautiful. It's really beautiful for us when we see a powerful person help someone lowly and downtrodden. Or someone that is in financial need or strain. We love those stories. A show that I'm sure we've all binge watched on a Saturday afternoon is Undercover Boss. Now, if you don't know this show, what happens on the show is a CEO of a company, he or she goes undercover. They just put on a wig and like a mustache or makeup, and then they go work all the different jobs at their company. So if it's, you know, if it's Subway, let's say they're making subs, they're ordering the bread, they're they're, they're doing everything, and they're just horrible, and everybody's clowning on these CEOs, and... And what happens over the course of the show is the CEO gets to know all these different people that he works with. And and no one usually knows that he or she is the CEO. And so then at the end of the episode, what happens is the CEO takes off the wig and everybody's surprised. And he brings these different people one at a time into his office. And then he says, hey, Samantha, like I heard about when we work together, I heard about your roof and how you need to replace your roof and everything's leaking. So our company, we've replaced your roof. And then he'll bring someone else in and we're like, hey, I heard that you're taking the bus to work every day. Hey, we bought you a car. We paid for the insurance for a year and the gas for a year. And they they just do powerful act after powerful act and you're watching this and if you're human, you're crying. (laughs) And then you're also trying to get a job at Subway and... And you're just loving this. And the reason you're loving this is because that is a picture of what God does with us. God, the most powerful in the universe, comes down and lifts us up. Sure, God might not be giving us a car, but he is giving us life. He's giving us himself. He's he's helping us to have a relationship with him. And I wonder if we began to understand God's power more in our life, we would be more fueled to understand that we have the privilege of preaching Christ. Not the chore, but the privilege. There's one last view here that, that I think something that fueled Paul that I hope would view, fuel us. And it's finally to see that God is so kind. Look what Paul says. Paul says, This gift of gospel ministry was given to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach. Paul particularly felt the kindness of God, Paul knew his story. Paul knew he was a persecutor of the church in his former life. Paul knew he, he stood by and watched as Stephen the, the first martyr was stoned to death. Paul felt God's kindness towards him. Because Paul God didn't just make, or God didn't just make Paul a saint and a Christian. Paul made him an apostle and a leader in the church, a minister of the gospel. Paul felt God's kindness. He knew God's kindness when he didn't feel it. And I think God has been as just as kind to us. I think about, I have this horrible habit where I will remember just horrible things I did from years and years ago. All the, like, not all the time, but I'll just be driving. I'm like, man, that! oh, I was a bad person. And, and I'll just kind of live in that shame for a moment. I usually have to pray and bring it to God. that God, he knows all those horrible things I've done. And I'm feeling honestly an appropriate level of shame for my sin and yet God says, no, I'm going to be kind to you. I'm going to cover your shame. I'm going to bring you into relationship with me. I think about how my sister Bridget, she was born, born again. So she was just in elementary school sharing the gospel right away. And I remember just feeling an immense amount of shame for my sister. I remember just being like, man, I hate you kind of. I hate that you embarrass me at school. I hate all these things. And I'm crying because I'm just disgusted by my sin. Even at an early age, people would talk to me about how my sister would talk to me about Jesus. And I'd be like, yeah, she's gross and I don't like her. And yet God has still been kind to me. God has still brought me in. think of just every shameful thought i've had and god has still brought me in he knows where my mind goes he knows where it's gone and he still says no i'm going to be kind to you i'm going to bring you in to my family friends god has been so kind to us and if we understand his kindness we'll see that it is a privilege to preach christ not a chore it is a privilege that I get to tell people about all these beautiful things that God has done for me. So I want us to be a people that are fueled by God's grace, that we're fueled by God's power, and that we're fueled by God's kindness. So we've, we've taken two closer views so far. We've looked at gospel ministry. We've looked at the privilege of preaching Christ. and Now I want us to look at the task of preaching Christ because that's what's laid before us. So we're going to start in verse 8. 8. It says this to me, though I am the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. So Paul saw it as part of his very identity to preach the gospel. He saw it as the task laid before the church. He knew that he had a, a specific, I think, anointing in preaching to the Gentiles, but he, he didn't stop there. He also preached to everyone. He says that he wanted to uh, bring the light to everyone. The light is simply shining light on the fact that Jesus is God, showing the world that he really is God. He really has saved us. He really has died for our sins. He really is alive. Friends, this was was Paul's mission, but again, see where it leads. He says, so that, I preach all these things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. So that through us, we would help the world to know Jesus. That we would be gospel ministers, that we also would have the task of preaching the gospel to everyone. Our mission statement as a church, if you've been through our Roots Lunch, we we talk about this a lot, but our mission statement as a church is to disciple the church to reach the unchurched. The reason we landed on that was mostly because of things Jesus said, but we really wanted to think through what's something that can encompass all the work that we want to do. We want to have a healthy church and all these things, but we think a healthy church involves people being discipled, but not just being discipled, being discipled unto Reaching the unchurched people in our city. Basically, those that would say they're not followers of Jesus. Those that would say they don't believe in God. There was a, a, a number we were toying with, or a different way of saying it, that we were toying with before we came up with that one. And the thought was, we say we want to disciple the 10% to reach the 90%. Because, because of some recent church surveys, we've seen that, that only about 10% of this city goes to a Christian church. Only about 10%. Now, going to a church doesn't necessarily make you a Christian, but it's probably a good place to start. So only 10% of our city goes to a church. We live in an incredibly unchurched city where 90% of the city, 9 out of 10 people do not believe in Jesus, and it could be higher. 9 out of 10 people don't believe in Jesus. They don't see the light that has been shown on him. So friends, for our church, we have the task of preaching Christ. That is our task. And so I, I, we talk about this fairly often, or we, we especially did when we were in the book of Acts, but I just want to remind us of some things, because I think we are called to this task Uh, or or to this task on an individual level. And I think too often, again, we leave it to the evangelists in the crowd. And so I just want to remind us of some things that will help us in our task to preach the gospel, in our task to preach Christ to everyone. All right, so a few reminders. Here's the first one. Although it is a privilege to preach Christ, it can be difficult to preach Christ. It can be difficult. It can be trying at times. So I, when I invite people to church, I'll be like, hey, do you want to go to church? And so often people are like, no, I don't. And I'm just like, I, I haven't seen the Bible verse that's like, when someone says no to church, say this, right? Like, I don't know what to say. I'm just usually like, uh, cool, right? <laughs> like, uh, and, and it's just awkward, right? So that's difficult. But then what's also difficult is sometimes there'll be people that I've been praying over and people that have been in their life for years and I've been preaching Jesus and talking to Jesus uh, or talking to them about Jesus for years and the conversations just always go the same way. And it's just tough. And I'm just like, God, where are you? I'm wrestling with that. I have to realize that sometimes preaching the gospel is difficult. I have to realize that God's word doesn't return void. So when I'm speaking God's word, he's doing something with it. And then I have to realize that God is in charge of this thing, not me. People aren't saved or lost because of me necessarily. It's God doing his work. And so we can lament and we can talk about how sometimes it is difficult to preach Christ. Remember that. It's not always a happy-go-lucky thing. The second thing I want to remind us of is that we also need to remember that by being God's witnesses, we actually get to know him more. We actually get to know God more. By being gospel ministers, by preaching Christ, we get to know Jesus more. Isaiah 43.10 says this, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. That verse has always stuck out to me. So interesting that God says, you're my witnesses and my servant. And you would think God would say something so that the world is all reconciled, so that everything bad is undone, so that all these things happen. But instead he says, you are my witnesses so that you might know me and believe that I'm God. God. And understand who I am. And so maybe it's selfish, but I think when we preach Christ, when we allow ourselves uh, to understand that we have the task of preaching Christ, I think what we'll find is that we will get to know God in the midst of it. And I have stories and things I could share about that, but we don't have time for that. And I just want to challenge you. Maybe in here you're like, man, my relationship with God has been stale lately. There's a lot of reasons for that, or, 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 and I can't quite pinpoint but I wonder if it's because you don't see the identity you have as someone to preach Christ. Because we can get to know God in the midst of preaching him. Not maybe always, but I think very often we do. All right? Third reminder. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. We see this in Ephesians, and we need to know this, okay? The gospel is for Jew and Gentile. It's for rich and poor. It's for child and adult. It's for male and female. The gospel is for everyone, and we need to look out at our world, and we need to preach the gospel to everyone. When I was in high school, I used to think through the gospel, and I used to think through, hey, I'm not going um, to preach like, to the atheist or different religions. I'm just going to preach to the undecided, like, that's where I'm going to make my dent. And so, uh, of course, the first person that God really brought into my life to, to preach a lot to and talk to about Jesus was just like a militant atheist. And so we had these conversations, and I got to see God move. And so I want you guys to think through and realize that, that we really should preach the gospel to everyone that doesn't know Jesus. We should preach it to the Christians, too, but we should particularly preach it, to everyone, And so in another thing we do in Roots is we have you think through these four P's. It's an alliteration because we're Christians. Think through these things. We say, think who you can invite into the pew or Flagstaff High Auditorium chair. Think through that. Because some people are looking to go to church. Some people will accept an invitation to church. Just think through that. Think through what profession you're in. Your job, God has placed you there so that those people there might reach out and find God. Think through that. Think through the place you're in, the neighborhood that you live in, the house you live in, the apartment you live in, the condo you live in, wherever you live. And we love to challenge the people that go through roots to have dinner with the people in front of you, have dinner with the people that live behind you, have uh, dinner with both of your next door neighbors. And at some point in that conversation, just say, hey, what do you think about Jesus? hey, did you grow up going to church? And begin that conversation. And then finally, we say, think about your playground, the places where you like to have fun. Hopefully, it's not a literal playground, because um, that's creepy. But if you're like me, my, my playground now is the Aquaplex. I have a, a pass there, and there's a lazy river and a hot tub, and that's where I love to spend most of my time. And first, going there, I treated it as a self, selfish place where I was just trying to have fun. But then I realized as people began to talk to me, I should treat it more as a place where I could potentially be a minister of the gospel. Where I can preach Christ with privilege. And so, think through those things because the gospel is for everyone. Finally, a, a reminder for us, God is doing this extraordinary thing through ordinary us. Right? We are just ordinary, just talking to people about Jesus. What do you think about Jesus? Hey, have you read the book of John? Saying these different things, just very ordinary things, and God is doing something extraordinary with it because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Whether the Holy Spirit is doing something to your words or doing something to the person's mind to understand the gospel more or tilling the soil for the gospel in that person's heart, God is doing something extraordinary in the midst of us being ordinary. Ordinary that helps take the pressure off us. And it helps it be an act where we're excited and worshiping God when we evangelize. So we've taken the 30,000-foot view. We've taken three closer looks at gospel ministry, at the privilege of preaching Christ, and then that we have the task of preaching Christ. I hope that our church can have this become ingrained in their identity. Because really, Jesus administered the gospel to us. Jesus brought us the good news. We get the privilege of of preaching Christ because Jesus showed how perfect he was and who God was by coming to earth. We get the task of preaching Christ because Jesus took on the task of taking on the punishment for our sins and he raised from the dead to share in this resurrected life with us. He has given us salvation and let us be a church that's fueled by grace, by by God's grace, by God's power, by God's kindness towards us. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're thankful for you. And we need you. God, thank you that it, it truly is a privilege to talk about you. That you truly have given us a gift. That you've been kind to us. You've been gracious to us. That you've shown us your power. God, help us to see that. Help us to know that. God, we just, we need you. Help us to be a church that goes out into our city and knows that we have the privilege of preaching your name. God, help us to be people that are very effective um, introducers of you to our world. Help us to see where people aren't quite understanding the gospel and where we can come in and say, no, this really is what the gospel is. God, we need your power. We need your might. We need your love. Help us, Lord. Amen.